How's it going, guys? It's good to be back. I missed last week. That really stunk. But I heard it was incredible. Just trying to find my spot in my Bible here. Sweet. So who's doing No Shave November? Anybody? Okay, cool. So I'm not the only one growing a patchy beard. So if you notice some weird facial hair on my face for the next couple of weeks, it's because of No Shave November. I don't think it looks good. So, so don't think I'm an idiot up here. Okay. So I'm so glad to be back. Um, you know, the Lord's just been, been working on my heart just over the last couple of weeks as I've had time to just be away, and it just so happened to be on the night of the presidential election. So, uh, you know, a lot of stuff going on with that. And it's kind of cool because God told me a few months back that this week I would be preaching on uh, the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 6 and 7. And I didn't really know what I wanted to say about it, though. I just, I just kind of knew that that's what God wanted me to preach on. And then when the whole thing that's happened last week with uh, the protests and people just being fearful about what's going to happen tomorrow, it, this passage is extremely relevant. And the Lord just gave me this word about fear. So I'm excited to talk about that tonight and just share with you how God can free us from fear, how, how when we're in Christ, we don't have to fear tomorrow. So that's going to be the message tonight. Um, so we're in part four of a sermon series called Unstoppable. And this sermon series is just uh, six weeks we're taking in the book of Acts, okay? And if you don't know what the book of Acts is, it's, it's right after the Gospels and the New Testament, and it tells the story of what Jesus' followers did in the first years after Jesus left earth. So it's a 30-year story, and you can track the Gospel being taken all the way from Jerusalem, and then when you get to Acts chapter 28, the Gospel's been taken all the way from Jerusalem and Israel to the heart of the Roman Empire and the city of Rome. And, and through the disciples, churches have been planted all throughout the Roman Empire, and the gospel and the kingdom of heaven is growing. It's, it's truly an incredible story. So I encourage you, don't, or don't just hear these messages, but also read the book of Acts for yourself. Because first of all, uh, there's 28 chapters, and we have six weeks, so I can't preach everything in Acts. And also, I just think this is transformative. And my heart behind preaching this uh, book, and, or specifically, is I want to see what happened in the book of Acts happen on our campus. Just as the disciples took the gospel from Jerusalem to the city of Rome, I want to see us take the gospel to every single student on our campus, and also for the Wartburg students on the campus of Wartburg. Amen? Come on. That's my heart. So if you have your Bibles, turn, or, or turn with me to Acts chapter 6. We're going to be in verse 8. So like I said, we're looking at the story of Stephen, and Stephen is the first martyr in the book of Acts. So if you don't know what martyr is, it's just someone who dies for their faith. Uh, some of you might know Stephen as, or as Stephen the Witness or, or St. Stephen the Witness. Uh, and the reason for this is the Greek word for this witness word is, is uh, or it's martus, which came to be associated with witnessing for Jesus to the point of death. And that's, that's where we get the word martyr from. So, or so witness and martyr are closely tied to each other. So Stephen became the first witness of Jesus to go all the way to his death for the gospel. So let's read this story tonight. We're going to start in verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the, or to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand or the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. 
Then they secretly instigated men who said, said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, and they seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that, or that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. So they were falsely accusing Stephen and, of speaking blasphemy. And this is very similar to what Jesus was accused of. You see a lot of similarities between Stephen and Jesus. And I think it's because Stephen spent a lot of time with Jesus. He spent so much time with Jesus that his face shined like an angel. And then in the first 53 verses of chapter 7, we see Stephen respond courageously to these accusations, and he actually gives this, this, uh, or this recital of Old Testament history. That's why I'm not going to read it all today, because it's a lot. It's 53 verses of Old Testament history, but I encourage you, if you don't understand the Old Testament, uh, Stephen does a pretty good job summarizing it. He talks about Abraham, he talks about Joseph and Moses, and then he talks about the nation of Israel. So Stephen then responds to the charges that are brought against him by turning them on his accusers and saying, you're the ones who disobey God. He says, you're the ones who rejected God's appointed leaders for you, specifically Jesus Christ. Stephen says the whole plan all along was to send Jesus, and you rejected him. And then we see the response in verse 54 of chapter 7. If you flip over with me to verse 54 of chapter 7. It says, now when they heard these things, they were enraged. And they ground their teeth at him. Pretty mad. Grounding their teeth. That just sounds scary. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears. So they stopped listening to the truth. Sometimes we do that. We block out God. And they rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And Saul would later come to know Jesus and become the Apostle Paul. And that's going to be important later. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, or he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice and said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Wow, what a story. I can't help but just notice the courage and the power of Stephen in the midst of opposition, in the midst of an attack, in the midst of fear, in the midst of great pain. He fixes his eyes on Christ, and he, and he never flinches. He's so caught up in the glory and the love of God that, or that no human could take him down. They may have been able to kill his body that day, but they didn't take his spirit, and they didn't take his love for God. What a powerful story. Let's take a second and pray. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for this word. We pray that it would come off the page to us today. God, we pray that the story of Stephen would inspire us to be bold, courageous witnesses for you who do not get fearful at the things that happen in the world, but instead we fix our eyes on you and walk with courage. God, I pray for that tonight. I pray for a spirit of, a spirit of power in this room. Just as Paul said to Timothy, he says that God did not give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you a spirit of power and love and self-control. I proclaim that over this group tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so unlike Stephen, I've been quite the fearful person in my lifetime. 
You know, one of the biggest fears that I've had is the fear of public speaking, which is kind of ironic. You know, when I was younger, I had speech problems. I couldn't say my R's right, and I would stutter often. And when I was in elementary school, I didn't think much of it because no one cares in elementary school. You're just all being kids together. But then when I got to middle school, going through puberty, starting to care what people thought about me, all of a sudden this anxiety and this fear began to take over my life. I was, or it says I was so scared that I would stutter in front of the class or I would or stutter during a speech or stutter during a conversation. There's even sometimes when I would ask my mom if I could stay home from school so I wouldn't have to raise my hand or talk in front of the class. Like, I was scared to even raise my hand. I was even scared of taking attendance. You know, when they say, Daniel, here? I was scared of saying, here. That's where I was. I was just gripped in this fear. And then there was one day when I was 15, and, and my pastor asked me if I wanted to preach to my youth group. We only had, like, two people in the youth group, so it's me or one other guy, and I got chosen. Uh, so it's not a great testament to me. But anyways, he asked me to preach a sermon and I had this dream deep down inside my heart to be, to be in the public eye, like whether that would be politics or be a pastor. I just had this dream, uh, but I kind of squashed it down because of my fear. And, and the pastor asked me to preach, and I knew it was a great opportunity, but I told him, I said, Pastor, I could never do that. I stutter. I don't even like speaking at school. I don't even like taking attendance. Then my pastor led me to this passage in Exodus, uh, the story of Moses, if you know who Moses is. And God calls Moses to go and free um, the Jewish people from, the, or from bondage, or from the bondage of the Egyptians. They're enslaved, uh, they're treated like garbage, and God says, Moses, you're going to go free my people. And then Moses responds and says, I'm slow of speech and tongue, okay? And I'm like, I can relate with that. I don't want to do what God's calling me to do. I'm slow of speech and tongue. But then God responds in, in verse 11 of chapter 4, he says this. It says, then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, and who makes him mute, or deaf, or seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? That was convicting. Now therefore go, and I will be your mouth, and I'll teach you what you shall speak. So this encouraged me, uh, and it gave me the courage to give it a shot. And I preached my first sermon when I was 15. It was like four and a half minutes long. I still remember I preached on Philippians 1. Uh, and the crowd went wild because they're trying to encourage me. I still have the audio on my phone if you want to listen to it sometime. It's pretty scary. But, uh, but anyways, I preached, and people told me I did good, so I got the courage. People kept encouraging me, kept saying, exercise your gift. Then I began to go into class and raise my hand again, and I began to give speeches in class, and all of a sudden, God began to break this fear off my life. God began to break this anxiety. And then when I was a freshman in college, he called me into ministry and told me, you're going to preach every single week. And God's used it for his glory. I don't know, I just feel like tonight that there's some of you who are hindering God from doing what he wants to do in your life because you're letting fear grip you and you're not walking in the calling that God has called you to walk in. Some of you are letting fear control you. But I'm here tonight to say that Jesus can break any fear, Jesus can break any chain, he can call you to do marvelous things. All you have to do is trust him. Come on, it's going to get good tonight. This, guys, we're just getting started. So tonight, Jesus wants to set us free from fear, and specifically fear placed in the wrong direction. You know, we should fear God. This is good. This is healthy to to fear our maker. However, we should not fear man or the things of this world. Over the last few months, segments of our country have been overcome by fear. And oftentimes, our fear has caused us to respond with hate because we're insecure and we're unsure of what tomorrow will bring. And we resort to protecting ourselves and ignoring the humanity of other people. That's what we've seen over this last week in this, this, this presidential 
season, or this election season, fears have just risen on both sides of the, or both sides of the aisle, which has caused a rift and division in our nation. You know, many people, and I'll be honest, myself included, voted for their candidate out of fear of the other one. They didn't really vote for them because they loved their candidate. We're responding with fear, and it's caused people to be hateful towards each other. I don't care if you're Republican. I don't care if you're Democrat. I really don't. I'm not here to indoctrinate you or to indoctrinate you in politics. I don't care. I'm here to indoctrinate you in the Word of God. This is what I care about. And when the Word of God informs our politics, I hope it'll inform your politics, okay? Like, I care how you vote as long as it's informed by the Word of God. You can vote either way and make a defense for why you're voting based upon this Word, but it better be based upon the Word, okay? And when God tells you to vote a certain way or God tells you to view a certain issue in a certain way, I pray that you would humble yourself and say, God, I'm humble enough to, to be shaped by you. And that's not just in the area of politics. That's in the area, or that's in every area of life. You know, we have our own ideas. We have our own opinions about how things should be done. But God calls us to bow before him and say, you're king, you're Lord, I submit to you. And that's probably all I'll say about politics for the next four years. So there we go. As the body of Christ, as followers of Jesus, there's no place for fear in our hearts. And that's not to say that the fear that or that, or that many people had over this last week was illegitimate. But it's to say that if we focus our attention in the right direction, or should I say towards the right person, which is Jesus, then we will not fear. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican. If your hope is in Jesus and his love and his care for you, then you have nothing to fear. And like Stephen, you can stare death down and not be faced with fear, but burst with hope. Stephen bursted with hope as death was knocking on his door. I want to be like Stephen. I don't care what the world throws at me. I'm not going to be afraid because my, or because my rock is Jesus Christ. I'm not going to be afraid because it says if God is for us, then who can be against us? Come on, it's quiet in here tonight. Our fear doesn't begin and end with politics, though. You know, many of us struggle with the fear of tomorrow. We wonder, what will tomorrow bring? We struggle with fear of not having financial security. We struggle with fear of not finding a spouse. We struggle with fear of being an adult. Come on, someone in this room probably is afraid of being an adult and making big boy decisions or big girl decisions. We struggle with the fear of what grade will we get at the end of this, or at the end of this semester. We fear our professors even and, and what they think about us. We fear our fellow students and, and what they think about us. We struggle with this fear of what others think of us. Let me say it again. We struggle with fear of what other people might think of us. This fear is what's prohibiting many of us from walking in the calling of God. Stop caring what other people think. That doesn't give you an excuse to be a jerk. Like you should love people, but their, but their opinion of you should not shape your decisions. God's opinion of you should shape your decisions. The only way that each of us can be set free from this fear of man and this fear of the things of the world is if we fear God and place all of our hope in him. So the main idea tonight is this. The key to not fearing man or the things of the world is fearing God. The other week I listened to a sermon by a guy named Bill Johnson of Bethel Church. Now when I say I listen to a sermon by someone, that doesn't mean I agree with every single thing they say. So don't go listen to Bill or hear about some of his controversies and say, oh, you think he's or all that's great? Okay, I just got to say that. If I ever quote someone, that doesn't mean I'm endorsing everything they say. I like Bill Johnson, but I'm not endorsing everything he says. But he has some good thoughts on the fear of man. He said, or he said, when we fear man instead of God, it distorts who we are, 
and it diminishes who we can become. See, your fear of man distorts who you are. It distorts your God-given image and your God-given calling because you're, because you're allowing men to shape you and not God. And it distorts who you can become. It diminishes your potential because you're letting other people dictate your future. We are called to be bold, to be courageous. That's our calling in Christ. As Christians who have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we're called to be bold and courageous and to not fear anything. But then when we get caught in this fear of man, it prevents us from following this courageous, this exciting, this adventurous call that God has for you. When we fear man, other people's opinions are constantly running through our mind, blocking out the opinion of God. We need to be set free from fear today. We need to be set free from the fear of man. We need to be set free from the fear of tomorrow. God has called us to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the story of Acts. These disciples who walk in the power of God. That's our calling. That's our inheritance as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to walk in the supernatural anointing of God. As we talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit a couple weeks ago, each of us can inherit that. Each of us can be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk with power and courage. Just like Peter, who denied Jesus three times and feared what men thought of him, he got filled with the Holy Spirit, and he stood up and he preached the gospel, and 3,000 people got saved. That's our calling. That's our inheritance in Christ. If you're a Christian, God is calling you to that, to walk in courage, to walk in power, to not let other people dictate the way you live your life, but only Jesus If we want to be set free from this fear of man, then we need to get a healthy fear of God. If we view God as this powerless, fairy godmother that's just there to grant our wishes when we pray, or just there to make us feel good, or just there to bring us all to heaven, if that's how we view God, this dainty figure that doesn't care about sin, doesn't care about you, but he's just there to grant your wishes, if that's the way you view him, then you're going to struggle with fearing him. But the, but the reality is, is God is glorious. God is full of splendor. He is completely just and holy. We couldn't even stand in his presence. It says in the Old Testament that when people try to stand in God's presence, God the Father, they would die on the spot because he's so holy, because he's so blameless. He sits above on his throne, just above the hundred billion galaxies, the hundreds of billions of galaxies, and he knows everything. He controls everything, but at the same time, he loves each of you. At the same time, he says, or the word says, if, or says that God is for us. If you're in Christ, God is for you. This is the God we serve. He's holy. He's powerful. He's mighty. But he's also completely loving. And he sent his own son to pay for our sin on the cross. Jesus bore the wrath of God so each of us could be sons and daughters of him. And it's about time we start, or start walking in that inheritance as sons and daughters of God. God is powerful when he calls you a son. He calls you a daughter. That should change the way you live. If you have an inheritance in Christ, if you are a son or daughter of God, a son or daughter of the king of kings, then that should change the way you live and you should stop letting fear dictate the way you act. You should stop letting fear cause you to act out in defensiveness and hatred towards other people when they disagree with you. What do you have to fear? Why are you afraid of their opinion? Why are you afraid of what they'll do to you? No, but instead we respond the way that Jesus does by, by humbling himself and by putting the needs of others before his own. What if we could get this healthy fear of God 
and not be fearful of men. Proverbs, or Proverbs 9.10 talks about this fear of God. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Fearing the Lord is a virtue in the Bible, and we're called to it. So what does it mean to fear God? It, it doesn't mean that you're terrified of him, although if you stood in his presence without the blood of Jesus covering you, that'd be pretty terrifying. But instead, it, fear, fear of God is having reverence for him, deep awe of him, and letting his opinion be the, the opinion that dictates your life, saying your opinion matters way more than everyone else's. Your opinion matters way more than my mom and dad's. Some of you need to hear that tonight. Your mom and dad are hindering you from walking in the calling of God. And I love your parents. I'm sure they're great. But stop letting, or stop letting them dictate the calling of God on your life. God is your father. And if God calls you to do something, you better do it. Some of us are letting the opinion of our boyfriend or girlfriend dictate the way we live our life. We're being hindered from getting to the calling that God has for us. It's like a ceiling because we're dating someone who's not right with God. Come on. This is getting real tonight. I got fired up. See, I miss a week, and I come back firing, so I'm going to miss more weeks. If we want to live to our fullest potential and be all that God has called us to be, then we need to start fearing him and viewing him in the right way as this gigantic, holy, just ruler of the earth, and at the same time, this this loving, tender, gentle, caring father. We need to grasp those two things in tension. When we start to see who God is, we'll start to fear him properly, and we'll stop just, or just, or just running our life the way, that, the way that we want to. We'll stop just making decisions without his consent. We'll start saying, God, whatever this book says, God, whatever it says, I want to do it. Is that the way you approach the word of God? Or do you care more about, or about what your friends think than you do what the word thinks? Do you care more about what culture is telling you to believe than you do about, or about what this word tells you to believe? Guys, if you fear God, you'll fear this word and you'll say, whatever it says, like whatever this thing says, I just want to read it. I just want to understand because that's what God calls me to. Guys, we spend more time on our news feed reading other people's opinions than we spend reading the word of God getting his opinion. We need to start reading this book with reverence and saying, God, whatever you say, God, whatever you want from my life, that's the way I'm going to live. I'm not going to let other people or culture or my professors or my parents or my boyfriend or girlfriend or my friends dictate, or dictate the way that I live my life. I'm going to be bowed before this word. All right. Stephen's story teaches us a few things. The first thing that uh, Stephen's story teaches us is fearing God and not man or the things of the world enables us to obey Jesus. Stephen was falsely accused, and people came against him, yet he didn't fear what their punishment could bring. But instead, he bursted with hope. He bursted with courage. And it says in verse 15 of chapter 6 that his face was shining like an angel because he was so caught up in the glory of God. He was so fixated on God and his opinion and his power that the threats of humans could not curtail his courage. Because he was so fixated on Jesus and because he feared him alone, he was able to obey God and preach the gospel even in the midst of great opposition. He didn't fear what they thought of him. He didn't fear what they could do to him. But he said, my chief aim is to obey the Lord Jesus. Is that your chief aim in life, to obey Jesus? 
Some of us are complaining that God hasn't revealed or revealed more of himself to us, but, but we haven't obeyed what he told us the last time yet. I never want my level of revelation to exceed my level of obedience. I never want to know more about this book than what I obey. I want to obey it. I don't want to just like, know all these things about Christianity. I don't want to just, or just know all these things about God but not actually obey it. Who in here has been told to do something by Jesus, by King Jesus, and you haven't done it yet? Are you fearing man? Are you fearing what the world might bring? Because Stephen didn't care what the world would bring. He didn't care about his comfort. He didn't care or care about his power. He didn't care about those things. He only cared about Jesus and what he thought of him. It's time we obey what Jesus told us to do. Or told us to do. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. So <laughs> Stephen was someone who was truly captured by the fear of God. And this en- enabled him to obey Jesus and not, and not even consider other people's opinions. And the second thing that Stephen's story teaches us is fearing God and not man or the things of this world enables us to love others. When the people began to stone Stephen, he was able to forgive them because he kept his eyes fixated on God and he was able to die in the same way that Jesus did, which was forgiving other people. It says in verse 60 of chapter 7, it says, He fell to his knees and he cried out with a loud voice. He said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. The fear of God and not what the world could do to him enabled Stephen to live like Jesus. If he feared man, he would have, or Stephen would have reacted very differently. He would have reacted with hatred, with bitterness, maybe force, because he feared what they could do to him. But instead, he was able to die like Jesus with forgiveness in his heart because he feared God. He wasn't worried about this world. He wasn't worried about protecting himself. He was able to die, and because of his death, others believed. He was able to see the bigger picture that that this world is not just about his comfort and what people can do for him or or being successful in this world, but, but Stephen understood that true success is obeying Jesus or Stephen understood that, that his chief aim should be to fear God, and this caused him to react like Jesus, with love, with forgiveness, and not to react with hatred or bitterness. Fearing God actually enables us to love people because we're not focused on our own well-being. We can focus on putting others before ourselves, saying, or saying, go in front of me, go ahead. When we fear God, we don't need to fight for ourselves. But each of us can rest in the protection of Jesus and let him fight our battles for us. Some of you need to let Jesus fight your battles for you. There's been many a times that I've wanted to fight my own battle, especially on Facebook. Come on. There's some people who say stupid things on Facebook, and I'm like, I'm about to tell them. I'm typing up this comment. I'm ready to go. Come on, I'm about to take them down. And then God says, what are you doing? You're an idiot. That's exactly what he says. He calls me an idiot a lot. See, that's the love of God. And then I, then I start to think, you know, this isn't about me. This isn't about getting myself in front of other people. It's not about pushing myself up. But Jesus calls me to lay my life down. Because Stephen feared God and not man, he was able to forgive others and to respond to their hatred with grace. His fear of man did not turn into hatred like it does for so many of us. Instead, he refused to fear those who hated him and instead loved them with the love of God fully confident that God would take care of things and that God would deal with them. See, God deals with people too, okay? The Bible instructs us 
to let God execute justice. Sometimes we want to take things in our own hands and say, I'm going to tell that person. They're so stupid. They voted for this person. I'm going to tell them on Facebook, which is really dumb. Talk about it in person. But anyways, I'm going to tell them. But why don't you just trust God? He'll tell them. God will speak to, or speak to them at the end about their life. And sometimes God does call you to engage people and to expose sin. But ultimately, we have to trust that Jesus is going to take care of justice, that Jesus is going to take care of business. God is a judge. He's a father and a judge, and he will judge each person. And we need to trust him to execute justice. We don't need to take, or take, or, or take matters into our own hands. Stephen understood that. What if we could be a people who didn't, or didn't allow our fear to turn into hatred? You know, we wouldn't act so stupid on social media and fight with other people. What if we could be a people who were just worried about God's opinion of us? We wouldn't seek to defend ourselves. What if we didn't fear bad news and faced every day with hope and confidence? We could walk in the love and grace of Jesus and not worry about our own well-being but in, or others' perceptions of us? Come on, that's good. The third thing tonight is this. Fearing God and not man or the things of this world enables us to walk into the future bursting with hope and joy. When we fear God and we don't fear man, we are able to be confident that, or that no matter what happens and no matter what tomorrow brings, we will be with Jesus and therefore, or therefore we only have, only have reason to be full of hope and joy. You know, Psalm, or Psalm 112, verse 1 and then verse 7 and 8 says this, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is or steady, and he will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. When we fear God, we don't have to fear bad news. It says it right there. He's not afraid of bad news because he fears God. His heart is firm. He trusts the Lord. I want to be that kind of person. I don't fear bad news. I'm not going to get, or get all worked up about a presidential election. Every president is a footnote in God's kingdom. They're under Jesus' foot. Come on. Why are we so fearful? Why are we so afraid? Why do we respond with hatred towards the other side? Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> Philippians 1.21 says this, and this is the Apostle Paul. He says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. When faced with the possibility of death, Paul did not fear. He did not fear death or what man could do to him. He did not fear what tomorrow would bring. Instead, he recognized death as an opportunity to be with Jesus. And at the same time, he didn't despise or take this life for granted. He thanked God for the opportunity to live another day so he could spread the message of Jesus. That's the way I want to be. Like, I want to be like, Lord, if you take my life today, I get to be with you. So that's amazing. And God, if you don't take my life, I got to tell people about Jesus. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain, come on, we got to get that in our bones. That's going to change the way you live when you get that truth inside of you. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Paul was so caught up in the glory and love of God that death did not deter him from taking the gospel all the way to the city of Rome. The dude writes most of the New Testament because he didn't fear 
spirit man. He just said, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to trust you to take care of business for me. I can't help but just wonder if Paul was inspired by the way that Stephen died. Because it said in the story that, that Paul was there. And at that point, he wasn't a Christian. He was actually killing Christians. So let's read that verse again. In verse 58, it says, Then they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul was there. Saul saw the way that Stephen died. And then later when Saul put his faith in Jesus and became Paul, as we know him, I bet you he looked back on that day and said, I want to be like Stephen. I want to go out like that. My face shining like an angel, fixated on God. Seeing Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. That's the way I want to go out. I don't want to care or be shackled and chained by other people's opinion of me or be afraid of death when I get to be with Christ if I die. I think Paul thought those things. He said, wow, like Paul looked back at Stephen's life and said, I want to be like him. That's incredible that Paul was there. Just think about God's sovereignty that he placed Paul there that day so Paul could see Stephen and then Paul could get the courage to take the gospel way further than or further than Stephen could have. So with that said, there's one more thing that Stephen teaches us. Fearing God and not man, or the things of this world, gives courage to other people. Guys, you never know who needs you to walk in power and courage so that they can be encouraged to do the same. When we walk in courage in the midst of trials, we encourage others to cling to Christ God is looking for followers who, who will place their full hope and trust in him and not respond to the, or to the events of the day or the opinions of other people with fear, but instead will walk boldly and confidently grounded in Jesus. If we want to be liberated tonight from the fear of man and live like Stephen did, then we need to be grounded securely in Jesus and know who we are in him. We need to know our identity in Christ. And if you're a Christian, that identity is a son or daughter of God. If God is for you, then who can be against you? If you're in Christ, God is for you. Then who could possibly be against you? When we know who we are in God, then there's nothing that this world can do to us. When I was a toddler, I was always afraid to jump into the pool. I'm sure I'm not alone. Like, like I know you guys are all courageous and superheroes, but I was afraid to jump into the pool. And I had two older brothers and a sister who would just go crazy when they jumped in the pool, like, do backflips, well, they thought it was a backflip, I don't know what it was, more like, you know, when you just fall backwards, but uh, just jumping in the pool, and I was like, I got to do this, but I was too afraid, so I said, Dad, will you catch me? And whenever my dad was in the pool, I would get the courage to jump in. He would stand right by where I was going to jump and just say, don't worry, Daniel, I'll catch you, and I'd ask him, I was like, are you sure? Are you sure you'll catch me? Because, you know, it's really hard to catch a three-year-old. And he would assure me, yes, I'll catch you. Then I'd make him promise. I'd say, do you promise? Yes, I promise. Then I would jump in the pool, and he would catch me every time. Christians, you need to realize that God is your Father. And you need to trust that he is sitting in the pool of your life and ready to catch you. There's nothing that can stand against you when you're in Christ. That doesn't mean that that there's never going to be hard times or bad seasons in life. It doesn't mean you'll never be afraid of anything. But it does mean that God will always be there, holding you, keeping your head above water, which is keeping you out of hell, okay? Jesus 
paid for hell for us. Jesus paid our penalty and bore hell on the cross for us. That's the worst thing that could happen to us, and God has already paid for that. So he keeps your head above water. He keeps, or God keeps you out of punishment. As all I could see was my father when I would jump in. As all that Stephen could see was Jesus when the stones were flying at him. God wants to call us to fix our eyes on him and follow him and trust him no matter what the world throws at us. If you're a Christian, the fact that Christ died on the cross for your sins and has purchased your eternal salvation and given you purpose should liberate you from the fear of man and the fear of the things of the world. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says it really well, way better than I have tonight. He says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear What can man do to me? That's a mic drop right there. What can man do to me? The Lord is my helper. I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. Jesus, the Son of God, who's been with God for all of eternity, came down from heaven, and he paid the price for my sins, and now God the Father calls me his son. That should change the way I live. I'm not going to fear man. I'm not going to fear the things of this world. I'm not going to get caught up in the things that my friends get caught up in, but I'm going to say my hope is in Christ alone. That's where my hope is found. Come on. I'm getting really pumped tonight. What can man do to us? What can they do? When you are in Christ, there's nothing that anyone can do to you or take away from you. What are people going to do to you? Kill you? Okay, that's the worst thing that could happen. Kill you? Then you'll be with Christ. Persecute you for your faith, which we don't have that a lot here in America, let's be honest. But some of us feel like we're persecuted, so persecute you then you'll be a witness to people. You know, maybe they'll laugh at you. Then you'll become more like Christ who is mocked and rejected in the greatest of ways. You know, not have money in the bank. Are you afraid of that? Like, what's going to happen? The Bible says your treasure is in heaven and that God will supply your needs. So don't worry about your financial situation. Jesus promises that he'll feed you, that he'll supply your needs. You know, what if the world ends? That's really scary. What if apocalypse happens. Well, Jesus is coming back to rule and reign from his throne, so that's not that bad either. There's nothing that anyone or anything can do to you. Christ fought for you on the cross, and he continues to fight for you every day. God is your heavenly Father, and he'll take care of you. We have nothing to fear when we're in Christ. The worship team could come up. We're going to close up here. The main idea tonight is the key to not fearing man or the things of this world is to fear God or is fearing God. And when we do this, we'll go through each of the four things again. We'll be able to obey Jesus because you're not worried about what other people think of you and you're not letting other people's opinions of you dictate your life. And you'll be able to love others because you don't let your fear turn into hatred towards other people. Three, you can walk into the future, bursting with hope and joy no matter, or no matter what happens. And four, you can give courage to other people like Stephen did for Saul. When we are set free from this bondage of this fear of man, 
then we'll be able to do all that God calls us to do. And we'll be able to be all that God calls us to be. God wants to challenge each of us tonight. This is the challenge. To reorientate our fears from the fear of man, from the fear of the things of the world, and direct it towards God and say, God, you're holy. If I'm going to fear anyone, I fear you. Because it says, because it says in your word that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I want to be wise. I want to live my life the way that you called me to live. So tonight, can you take your fear that's pointed in all these crazy directions and fixate it on Jesus and say, I only fear you. I only want to do what you asked me to do. That's the call tonight. I'm telling you, when you do that, like your life is going to completely transform. Some of you have been fearful during this political season. You've been afraid of what might come if a certain person, you know, one or the other, gets elected. I want to encourage you tonight. Maybe you were discouraged on Tuesday. I just want to encourage you that God is sovereign and he reigns supreme. He is your hope. He is your maker. And the world is looking to Christians in this pivotal season in this nation to see how we will respond. And how are we going to respond? Are we going to jump into the Facebook debates or, or Twitter battles or Snapchat wars? I don't know if those exist, but are we going to jump into those? The YouTube comments, those are the worst. Don't ever do that. Don't watch, don't get into those. I used to do that in high school. Are we going to jump in or are we going to say, no, my hope is not in man. My hope is not in Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or Barack Obama or George W. Bush. But my hope is in Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are called to rejoice with those who rejoice. So Christians, I encourage you, if people are excited about, or just about what happened in this election, rejoice with them. That's hard to do if you don't like Trump. That's hard to do. And also, it goes both ways. So those of you who are like, yeah, rejoice with me. It says to weep with those who weep. So if you have a friend who is very sad at the, or during the election and they've had a tough week, they're afraid, I encourage you to weep with those who weep. That's living like Christ. I don't care what your political opinion is. You better rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And you better live in harmony with one another. That's what the word calls us to. It calls us to be united as a body of Christ and, and to live in harmony with each other no matter what our political opinions are. Some of you don't really care about politics. You don't even realize that someone got elected last week. You're just not into it. But you may struggle with the fear of what others think of you. And you're held captive. You're trying to perform. There's people in this room that are trying to perform. Be honest with yourself. You try to perform for people all day long. It's a performance. How can you appear to other people? How do they, or what does that person think about me? God wants to free you from those chains tonight. You're preventing yourself from walking in all that Jesus has called you to walk in, which is courage and faith and hope. God is calling you to that. Stop worrying about what other people think of you. Turn your eyes to Jesus. His opinion is the only one, the only one that matters. Fear him alone. And finally, I think there might be some of us in this room who are fearful of eternity. And when I talk about hell, that might make you quiver a little bit because you don't know where you stand with Christ. Maybe you've never heard the message of Jesus. Maybe you have put your faith in Jesus up or at one point, but if you're honest, you're not living like Stephen did, and you're not living like Paul did. You're not living like a disciple lives. Tonight, you just need to reconnect with God. And here's the reality. Each of us have sinned. Each of us has fallen short of the glory of God, and it says that the wages of sin is death, and that's what each of us deserve, hell. But at the same time, God sends his only son, Jesus, to come and live as a human, to live a perfect life, 
and then to go onto the cross and stretch out his arms to pay for all of our sins, to pay the penalty for each of our sins. All we must do is call upon his name and put our faith in him and trust him. And then Jesus didn't stop there. He rose from the dead three days later. And it says in the word, if you hope in God, at the end of the day, you'll be resurrected and you'll get to live for eternity with God. That sounds amazing to me. Some of us just need to get right with God tonight. You stand with me. God is calling us. He's calling Chi Alpha to be a community that is grounded in a healthy fear of him. You know, we're going to put this book above everything else. We're going to obey what this says. And sometimes it's going to disagree with us. It's going to. That's just the reality. If, if God is God, then he'll disagree with you at times. Because if he never disagrees with you, then you probably created a God in your own image. So God calls us to fear him alone, not to fear man. That's what God calls us to be and to do as a community. We don't fear the opinions of people. We don't fear what will happen in the world. But all of our fear is just directed towards God in this reverent awe of who he is. You guys would bow your heads and close your eyes. There's two, or there are two ways I think we can respond tonight. The first way is if you're in this room and you just, like when I talked about like, like not living right, and I talked about not being with Jesus or being in relationship with him, maybe that stuck out to you. And tonight you just want to put your hope in God and you want to trust in his sacrifice on the cross and be a son or daughter. You want to live in that calling. If that's you, there's nobody looking around. It's just me. Can you just lift your hand to heaven right now? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? There's lots of hands going up. All right, you can put your hands down. I'm going to pray for you quickly, and then I'll pray for the other group. But, but as I'm praying this prayer of repentance and of putting faith in Jesus, just pray it in your own heart. Pray it in your own words. God doesn't call you to pray a formula. He calls you just to put your hope in him. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you that you sent your only son to die on the cross for our sins. And God, today, as we think about what your word says, as we think about what Stephen did, we're convicted. And we know that each of us have fallen short. And tonight, God, we just put our hope in you. We say, or we say our hope is found in Jesus Christ alone. And we trust in you to save us from our sins. In Jesus' name. All right, there's a second group. Tonight, if you just bow your heads and close your eyes. Tonight, if you just felt convicted about fearing man, fearing their opinions, fearing the things of this world, and tonight you just want to make a confession to God and say, I fear you alone, can you just raise your hand to heaven? A ton of hands going up. All right, I'm going to pray for us. God, I pray each hand raised in this room, each person in this room, God, that you could give us a spirit of courage. As Paul said to Timothy, you have not been called to walk in or timidity or fear, but you've been called to walk in power in love, in self-control. God, I pray that that would be the testimony of this group. We love you, Lord. We pray all this in your name. Amen.